How do you start a podcast? In the summer of 2019, I cycled around Yorkshire interviewing adventurous people. These conversations became my first podcast, though I had never held a microphone up to someone and interviewed them like this before. The Living Adventurously podcast reached number 15 in the UK chart for all podcasts, albeit very briefly, was showcased on Apple's new and noteworthy page and had 300,000 downloads in its first year. It did far better than I could have imagined. Yet I only decided to record a podcast a few days before my ride began. I had planned to conduct the interviews for a book I hoped to write. But as I walked out of my shed one morning, I was halted in my tracks by a sudden epiphany. I should do a podcast on this trip. And so began a frenzy of Googling and last-minute shopping, culminating in me recording my first-ever podcast interview on the first-ever occasion I used my new equipment. This is not a technique to be recommended. Podcasting has been a delightful experience. It's so much quicker than writing a book, less faff than editing a video, and much simpler and cheaper. The best bit is that asking someone interesting if you can interview them for a podcast is less cringy and more likely to succeed than asking, can we hang out together because I think you're fascinating. The simplest way to start a podcast is by recording the audio on your phone. I considered doing it that way myself to save weight on my ride. I would urge you to at least invest in a microphone for your phone, perhaps one from Rode or Sennheiser. Duff sounding audio will deter even your keenest listeners. Once you've recorded a conversation, the easiest way to publish it is via the Anchor app, an all-in-one platform where you can create, distribute and monetize your podcast from any device for free. It's incredibly easy to enter the world of podcasting. The barriers are so low. I decided to skip the test-it-out-cheaply approach to podcasts and went for the other sensible option. Spend enough money up front to coerce you into action and commitment. I did this because there was not enough time before my trip to experiment and because I'm generally impatient. I kept things simple. I decided to just copy the gear Tim Ferriss uses in his wildly successful podcast. If it's good enough for millions of listeners, it would be good enough for me. 10 minutes of Googling, 10 minutes of online shopping and a shiny selection of gear was winging its way to me. Having now tested the equipment in 65 interviews, I can belatedly vouch for and recommend all my choices. A Zoom H6 recorder. Online nerds spend a lot of time arguing between the H6 and the H4. I didn't get involved in all that. All I know is that the model I plumped for works a treat. The key thing that a recorder like this does, which your phone cannot do, is record up to six tracks separately, i.e., my microphone and your microphone generate different tracks. This is useful if you have to do any tricky editing, such as if you have the annoying habit of saying uh-huh, uh-huh throughout your guest's answer or if they speak more softly than you. Two Shure SM58 microphones and six-foot XLR cables. On top of my mics are dead kittens, the fluffy windstopper thingies that are essential if you're going to record outside. Make sure both you and your guest know how to hold a microphone correctly. I recommend keeping it fixed to your chin, ensuring an even level of audio recording at all times. 
The long cables allow you and your guests to sit at a comfortable distance apart from each other. Wired headphones to monitor audio levels during conversations. Foolishly, it took me a few interviews to realise how important constant monitoring of the levels is. I settled on a system of having one earphone in place to monitor the levels and the other out to engage more completely with the person I was interviewing. I found it tiring to keep an eye on the levels, the guest and my sheet of questions all whilst chatting away. 64GB SD storage card. This is far more storage than you need for an audio recorder, but you do not want to run out of space mid-interview. Lots of AA batteries for the recorder. You do not want to run out of batteries mid-interview. My phone with the Otter app installed to record the conversation. This recording acted as a backup if something went wrong with the main recorder and produced AI transcripts that saved a lot of time later on. And my daughter's floral lunchbox to carry it all in. Whilst buying shiny kit is the fun part of your podcasting debut, a far more useful phase is figuring out what you will speak about. Will you go for an engaging monologue about something you are an expert at, like hardcore history, tell a long story like serial, chat with your mates such as no such thing as a fish, or interview different guests like how I built this? Your podcast can be as short or as long as you like. Personally, I enjoy listening to episodes that are up to an hour long, so that was the length I settled on. It doesn't matter what you do, so long as you say something interesting. If you don't, then you do not pass go, do not collect £200 and do not have much chance of putting together a successful podcast. Before each interview, I spent hours learning about each guest. I've been interviewed on many podcasts and I find it tedious when the host has done zero homework and asks predictable formulaic questions. I didn't want to inflict that on my guests. The downside of having a long list of prepared questions was that it was hard to decide mid-conversation whether to meander off on detours or keep to the structure. A bit of both is probably the ideal answer. Dare yourself to remain silent when your guest seems to have finished answering a profound question. That's when the good stuff often comes out if you allow it to. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen more than you speak. I don't like podcasts when the interviewer seizes every opportunity to talk about themselves, asks annoyingly long questions, or makes statements rather than asking questions. Yet these ticks might be exactly what you want in your podcast. The beauty of podcasts is that you can do it however you like, far more so than in virtually any other form of published medium. Just be sure to think carefully and consider each aspect and detail deliberately. An excellent way to do this is to listen to lots of podcasts before you recording your own. Copy the parts you like, reject the bits you don't. For me, that meant not interviewing the same group of people I hear on every adventure podcast, and it meant me not having an advert in the middle of an episode, regardless of how much sponsors want one. Once you've finished recording and backed up your SD card, the next step is to get the conversation out into the world. For reasons of laziness and efficiency, I decided in advance that I would not edit my interviews beyond topping and tailing the beginning and end. I did reassure my guests that I could edit out anything they were uncomfortable with. This never happened, but it felt like the right thing to do, as well as a way to put them at ease. 
If you go down the no edit route, you need to be on the ball during the interview to keep the pace, direction and duration of the conversation under control. There are software programs that remove the hisses and peaks that sound jarring and distracting. For reasons of laziness and efficiency, I paid someone to do this, polishing the audio, splicing on my introduction and exporting the files into the optimum format to go online. The part that confused me the most about launching a podcast was how to get it onto all the different podcast apps. But it's actually straightforward. The company you choose to host your podcast with stores the files and zaps them magically out on your behalf to Apple, Spotify and all the other apps. How much you pay the host depends upon how many listeners you end up with. There are several major hosting companies, but they all seem to do pretty much the same thing. For reasons of laziness and efficiency, once again, I just plumped for the recommendation of a podcaster I trusted and signed up with Transistor. It's intuitive, works perfectly and has good analytics and customer support. Once you've signed up with a hosting company, you upload the material for each episode, the audio file, cover art and introductory text. You do a chunk of clicking here and there to get it all linked up to the various podcast apps, but even a dimwit like me did it quickly enough. You don't have to go live immediately upon loading an episode, and I urge you not to. Give yourself plenty of time before launch day. It takes up to two weeks for a show to be listed on the Apple podcast site, so be sure to submit a teaser episode to get in the pipeline before your planned launch. Apple is the biggest podcast provider, so it would be foolish to launch before everything is in their system. The most popular apps for listening to my podcast are Apple Podcasts, then Spotify. Significantly lower come CastBox, Podcast Addict and Overcast. Finally, there is a long tail of all sorts of other random apps that my podcast gets automatically listed on. Once you have recorded some magnificent content and uploaded it all, you need to give some thought to launch day. It works well to launch with a few episodes simultaneously. I put out five episodes, allowing early adopters an early binge and an easy boost up the rankings. From then on, I released a new episode at 5am every Tuesday without fail for over a year. As with publishing a book, the day you launch your podcast is not the end of the hard work. You need to make an effort to find and grow an audience for your new baby. Getting a spike of early listens helps trick the internet algorithms into thinking that you are amazing, just like when you publish a book. It's a powerful way to get your podcast heard by a new audience who might be interested in what you've done. You'll need to employ all the usual marketing tactics to secure an early spike of listens, social media, newsletters, asking for reviews, etc. Push hard to the cusp of annoying your audience to get people to listen to your podcast in hour one, day one and week one. Because I had high hopes for my podcast, I even WhatsApped every person in my phone asking them to listen. I've never done that before. If all goes well and you get enough listeners, you have a chance of being listed on the Apple New and Noteworthy chart, which has a vast audience. However, as always, I issue a cautionary caveat that whilst I did see a sizable early spike of new listeners, virtually all of them disappeared after a week or so. Better, as always in the life of the working adventurer, to build slow, steady, 
loyal audiences through positive reviews and word of mouth. Running a podcast involves time, equipment and hosting costs. You are hopefully producing a quality product that will add value to lives and therefore can justly be monetized. But I initially couldn't be bothered to find a sponsor for my podcast. I wanted to be pure, to not sell out and stuff like that. Then a wise friend sat me down and said politely, you're an idiot. So I sent some episodes to various companies asking if they would like to sponsor the show. It's tough to sell an unknown entity like a new podcast before it's launched. All I could say was, I have no idea how many people will listen. X people follow me on other platforms, but this podcast is brand new. It could be 10. It could be 10 million. Your guess is as good as mine. Fancy taking a punt? At last, Kamut decided to give it a go and sponsor the podcast's first series. I was delighted. Kamut is a fantastic brand, perfectly aligned with what I do. We tussled amicably about the length of the advert and whether they could have their advert mid-episode. Nope. My agent and Kamut locked themselves in a dark room to talk numbers. Then Kamut licked their finger, squinted into the wind and gave me a low five-figure sum to sponsor Series 1, all 42 episodes of it. I believe that the listening stats from even the first few months meant that Kamut got a good deal in terms of a highly targeted listener demographic, receiving a weekly drip-drip of name recognition advertising. Plus, the podcast won't go away, so they will benefit from those ads for years to come. And this plug today in this book. I'm enormously grateful to Kamut for taking a punt on my debut episode, I hope that over time, enough people listen to the accumulation of episodes for them to feel that they got a decent return on their money. Unfortunately, Kamut decided not to sponsor the second series of the podcast. That's fine, of course. Marketing plans change all the time. Plus, it is difficult to put a tangible, precise number on what counts as value for money for a podcast. The KPIs, key performance indicators, are hazy and movable, and perhaps Kamut measured podcast success in a different way to me. All of which is a long way of saying that it's difficult to find a sponsor for a brand new podcast. I would recommend you treat any funds you do secure as a bonus rather than a prerequisite for beginning. It costs me £350 a year to host my podcast. If you start out with a smaller audience, then you won't be charged anything. An average of 4,000 people listen to each of my episodes within the first 90 days in over 100 countries with over 300,000 listens in the first year. The wider rewards of my podcast have been reaching a different audience, learning from those I met along the way, making new friends and having a good time. I was surprised by the power a microphone gives you. Shove a microphone under someone's nose and they seem duty-bound to provide honest and thoughtful answers to whatever topic tickles your curiosity. All these fascinating folk, most of whom I'd never met before, welcomed me generously and patiently and indulged me with my quirky deck of question cards. The whole experience was a delightful privilege. I have enjoyed everything about diving into the world of podcasting and its impact judging from email feedback, has been more profound than I imagined. If you attempted to start a podcast, I would say try it. It's so quick, 
cheap and easy that it's worth recording a handful of episodes and then deciding if you want to continue beyond that. I have been surprised by how many people I meet have still never listened to a podcast, nor even quite understand what they are. Popular though it is, podcasting is by no means a saturated market and you are not too late to join in. Go on, give your podcast idea a try. Quick question, what are your favourite podcasts? Desert Island Discs, In Our Time, Armchair Expert, John Richardson and the Future Noughts, The Rest is History, The Rest is Politics, That Peter Crouch Podcast, Renegades, Tim Ferriss, 99% Invisible, Cal Fussman, Cal Newport, Creative Rebels, The Adventure Podcast, Folk on Foot, Soul Music, Rule of Three, Hurry Slowly, Frank Skinner's Poetry, Saving Apollo 13, and, of course, Living Adventurously. <laughs>